Now look, kid, let's get something straight right now. You're the one that wants to be a star, not me. Welcome to another edition of Tech Writer Voices. Tech Writer Voices is a podcast specifically for technical communicators and technical writers and whatever other job title you might have that related to help authoring. Now, before we get into today's show, I just want to make a brief announcement about what kinds of content can be on Tech Writer Voices. When I initially founded the site, my intention was to provide a venue for all chapters who wanted to contribute audio from their chapter recordings or otherwise, but not very many people contributed. We did have Keith Hoffman, Mark Lewis, who helped out, and uh, that was great. And, and then we had some participation from uh, Puget Sound Chapter, obviously, with our with our new co-host. But I want to just say that if you are recording your chapter, or if you just want a podcast, if, let's say you have an audio um, monologue that you want to deliver, or or you've got some other kind of interview that you've done, and you want to distribute it on Tech Writer Voices, this is what this site is for. I, I would love it if every day there could be a new post on here. So, if you've got some audio, just grab the URL of wherever you're hosting it. And if you need a host, we can do that. But give me the URL, a brief description, and I'll post it here. And you can still post it anywhere else. Uh, it's just another way of syndicating your content and getting it out to as many uh, viewers, listeners as possible. Now, there are about 400 people, 400 people subscribe to this podcast. So, and an average show is downloaded about 200 times. So uh, you really have an opportunity to uh, get people to listen to whatever it is you would like them to. And now let's move on to today's show. But before we do, let me just repeat. The podcast site is at www.techwritervoices. To give feedback, send it to tom at techwritervoices.com. And there are links to... Uh, there are links to everything we discuss in the show notes. All right, thanks. Okay, so so let's get started. Um, I want to talk for about the whole member map thing, the whole idea of, of having a Google map where the members' locations are displayed with push points. You can navigate it. Uh, this is something that I really wanted for a chapter for a long time because... Uh, Call it a mashup, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that term just means you're blending two different systems. We have the Google Maps and their geo coordinates and things like that, and then we have our member database with their addresses, and and then blend them together, and you get the member database on the Google Map. <clears throat> um, I I really wanted to do this, and now that we've done it, it hasn't really made much of a difference in anything, but <laughs> but uh. It, it is interesting to see, and, and there's a really easy way to do one of these maps without uh, hard coding it. And uh, you know, it's it's good if you want to just see where your members are and get more of a sense of yeah, this is where everybody's located, and yeah, this is where our meeting is. So so you can see if you're even centrally located according to the members, and you can kind of see who's nearest to you if you have if you if you have certain neighbors, you can maybe feel more affinity towards them. Actually, that right, uh, talking about that is that I was just reading today in the book, uh, the, my simplicity book, and one of the main points of this author, Cecile Andrews, is that p- 
people just do not have a sense of community, and they wish they did. And I think that this really lends itself well to saying, hey, I have a fellow technical communicator who lives within a 5-10 minute drive of me, and therefore you can foster a geographical community as well as your technical communication community when you're at a meeting. So I think it serves a lot of purposes to fill that you know, not necessarily a void, but, you know, something of a void for community that we often have if all we do is, you know, go to work and, you know, get, in, you, know, you know, mixed up with our families and stuff like that. So I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree that, that a sense of community is a lot of what, like, the STC is about. And, I mean, the whole purpose of having a chapter is to have this community right near you of technical communicators. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of mixed sometimes about the the value of having a physical community when so many online communities exist. But but definitely there is value, and uh, and having a map makes it more apparent that there are actually people around you. Uh, w- one of the other things we did that was even more fun than than just having a little map is we did a a member chat night, and uh, this one. This was kind of, um, it went a little bit unexpected. You know, I, I don't know if it's the same in the Puget Sound, but we only get about 20% of our members out to the meetings. And I think this is true for any association, not just the STC. At least that's what Susan Burton said. And uh, so it's usually a concern that, hey, we've got to try to do something that's going to meet the needs of all these the 80% that just kind of lurk. So I thought, we'll do this virtual chat session so the people who live 50 miles away can can participate, <clears throat> um, but only three besides me showed up when, when the chat time came around. So we had four members on the chat, but um, it actually went quite well. I mean, if you were to have a conversation with a group of friends, four people is plenty, especially if they're lively, intelligent people. And uh, um, we tried to to have a topic. We were talking about what the most significant issues are for technical writers today, and and we introduced ourselves, kind of got to know each other. Um, I tried to keep people a little bit on track, although that wasn't an issue this time. Uh, I avoided sarcasm because sometimes that doesn't quite uh, <laughs> go through well. Sometimes, you know, of, of course, everybody has their own style, but. Um, and we, we kept it to about an hour, and, and I found some interesting results f- just from the discussion of the topic. Have you guys ever explored any kind of virtual collaboration, whether user forum or, or chat or other sort of email listserv kind of activity that you do? Uh, no, what we've actually tried to do is have geographically different locations for our chapter meetings. So one on the north side of Seattle, one on the south side, and one on the east side. And so that is our, you know, our attempt to get people who are who maybe don't show up because of the inconvenience of, say, a regular location, trying to draw in that eighty percent via, you know, more convenient geographically placed meetings so and we're, we're also just doing a lot more this year our president joe Wilinski has just done a great job of making sure that there are just a lot of activities like oftentimes now on a saturday you can go to an advanced uh like say a javascript 
uh, seminar. And in the past, you would be able to go to a seminar, but maybe not as frequent and maybe not as advanced of topics. So he's really trying to reach out to the more advanced technical communicator and say, hey, we've got something for you, you know, if you want to return have a look at us so things like catering to all levels um and and also with the meetings so yeah we're, and we definitely have that same issue as you sounds like well that's that uh, regular seminar that you're mentioning seems really apropos to to the results of our chat because most of the members on on this chat said that their their main issue was trying to keep pace with technology trying to figure out what they need to know understanding the technology learning the tools and just keeping up. I mean, it's a, it's a time now where, where most of us are under tight deadlines and we don't have a lot of um, budgetary privilege to go off and take lots of conferences in. And yeah, and I, just, I just read your post, and so I just posted, too, about what I thought about because at the end of your comments for that post, you talked about you added a link to Visual Studio, and so I, on my blog today, just now, I added a link to a book that I'm going to explore in about the next month or two, and it's called it's for a tool called Visual Studio Visual, Visual Web Developer Express Edition 2005, and it can help you learn you know learn skills to put a database like an access database on the web so it goes completely along the lines of i know i need to keep up with technology what are some things i can do and one of the things you can do is just be proactive about what what am i reading and what am i doing this week this month to keep abreast you know so did you learn about um about that application by reading online training or did you go to one of these seminars you're talking about or just pick it up by looking at the manual? Right. I mean, I picked up a book, that, so a third-party book that uh, two programmers whipped up. And But what it is is it's like a tutorial for that free, to, free Microsoft tool, um, Visual Web Developer Express Edition, something like that. And anyways, I put a link to the book and also um, then you'll be able to pick up that book or or also explore the tool, because I mentioned the tool by name, so you could just Google that tool name. So, yeah. Yeah, there was a, a podcast by DMN Communications last week. I don't know if you heard it, but uh, they, they were talking about the need to put the tech into technical writer, and, and they mentioned a lot of technologies and, and how you just really have to be familiar with with a lot of the, te- the technology today just so that you're competent in your ability to write instructions and to understand the product and and things like that. Yeah, we should mention that they had a podcast uh, previous to this techie technical writer one that you also enjoyed. So they've put out a couple good ones that, uh, you know, people who listen to Tech Writer Voices might also like. So you should check that out. Yeah, you, you can just go to dmncommunications.com. I think they they really have a good show going. I always listen to it. Of course, uh, I mean, I'm always trying to find good podcasts and and um, there aren't too many on technical writing, so so uh, definitely check that out. Hey, so I'm a little more curious about your your regular seminars that you do on software. Uh, how often do you guys do those? Because we're thinking about doing the, the same thing here in our chapter. Uh, I haven't been too involved with that this year. I was only involved in the competition. But I, I would say it's probably... One one or two a month, maybe not that much. Maybe it's just kind of ramping up for more of a spring push. But I would say almost almost one a month. 
uh, ever for the whole cycle, so September through June. So maybe you don't have one in the months where there are a lot of holidays. You skip those, but in the months where there are fewer holidays, yeah, yeah, you have you know you hold your seminar. So and do you, do you do it in a computer lab or do you right? You know? mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So do you uh, just have your members within your own chapter present, or do you pull in experts as needed, or is it mixed? It's mixed. Uh, we did have Ann Rockley one year just because I think she was in town for something else. So when when someone's in town for something else, you, you grab them. But otherwise, right, it's somebody who has expertise from your chapter. Yeah, definitely. I'm always looking for experts that are in in town in Tampa Bay because it's like you know if they're kind of if they're going to come into town, get them to speak. And so we've heard, we've had some great speakers in, in the last several months. We had we had Neil Perlin. We had. Susan Burton, we had Karen Bachman. I mean, some some big names, and one more I can't remember. But uh, but even even with big names, you know, we still only have twenty percent who come, and it it's kind of baffling. But I think it's it's common. Hey, speaking of communities and uh, just the online presence, you wanted to talk about Spark People. Yeah, I think I think well, if you go to sparkpeople.com and the way I heard about this, it's uh, a diet and exercise site and the way I heard about this is from Tom when he listed, you know, oh, what is web 2.0 on your web on your po- on your blog and you said, "Okay, these are 10 examples of web 2.0 social networking sites." And I said, "Oh, well, that one looks interesting." So I I joined up and I'm already starting to see some results and it's and it's what they do well is they offer something for everyone and they make it fun. They have points and, you know, I don't want to do an ad for them, but I just think it's a good example of offering a little bit of something for everyone. It's a, it's a good example of a, a web app that I think works well and, and that's about it. I totally agree. I mean, I, let me just explain a little bit more about it. That makes it web 2.0. I mean, it, if you were to take the same sort of site five years ago, it would probably just be an informational site. You go and you get information about about counting your, about how to count calories, uh, tricks for losing weight, and things like that. But this one takes it to an entirely different level because y- you can actually have a profile on the site where you go in and count your calories every day, right? You're using their their system, and if your food is not on there, you can add it and, and and you can track your goals. You have this whole goal tracking section, which is pretty cool. And then you can have your own little blog page within the Spark People where you write about your weight loss and things like that. And they have these Spark teams where you can be part of a, a team of other people with your similar interests. And you, you can communicate and read each other's blogs on that side. And you have like this, this daily point system where... If you if you meet your goals and and you drink lots of water and you read the articles you get a certain amount of points and things like that so it's it's an entirely different uh, paradigm for for the online experience you know not just reading you're totally involving the user in as many ways as possible but but here's a question for you uh, so you've been have you actually been using it or just exploring it no I've been using it every day uh, since President's Day weekend so not long uh, maybe two weeks. But yeah, I've been using it. Uh, if I don't, if I miss a day, I I go back a day. I use the little arrow and I go back and I log what I ate that day and things like that. So yes, I've been a heavy user. <laughs> you know, I I just wish I were more disciplined to to, to log the the food I eat every day. But uh, 
you know, I've found that there's a there's another you know, I'm no one to speak here, but there's another trick to to just keeping the daily check and uh if you just get on a scale every night and say, Oh, you know, I'm high or I'm low or you know, it's it's a good way to keep yourself in balance. But but I think you mentioned that uh part of the part of the reason we should talk about this is because technical writing is such a sedentary activity that maybe a yeah. lot of people <laughs> and actually the thing about me is that i never i i tried to track calories before and it just would, was not appealing but for me uh the scale thing wouldn't work because i wasn't understanding how many calories i was consuming i always would you know roughly eyeball it whatever you know but this has been showing me areas where i'm not getting the nutrients i need or areas where i'm on days when I consume way more calories than I thought, and so this helps helps me see in black and white. You know, oh, that's that's too many. And and the reason I, I had other motivation for getting on the site because my doctor said, okay, you need to lose some weight. So I definitely I have a I have a definite interest in making sure my calories don't get too high because I have my doctor, you know, nudging me every you know every time I see her. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, but not. Now, a lot of people probably don't know, though, that you're also a triathlete. So you're, like, always biking and swimming and running and measuring all kinds of things like that about nutrition. So, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's time for all that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, we also wanted to talk about uh, Zay Frank, right? Right. He's going to be the concluding speaker at the big STC annual conference. And uh, have you seen any of his his um, video casts? His I I didn't yet, so you'll have to take the take the mic on this one. All right. Well, it's it's like nothing else. All right. It's it's kind of like a comedian uh, performing. It's it's performance art, definitely. But uh, he stares very very evenly into the micro or into the video camera right at you, and he he maintains this perfect non-blinking focus the entire time and he has this quick speech and uh he can't always tell what his point even is he just kind of goes in random directions and it's mostly funny sometimes it's it's like just perplexing and other times it's just quirky and zany and bizarre and uh you know he's He's really got an interesting little show. Have you ever seen Ask a Ninja? It's the only thing I can think to compare it to. Uh, no. All right. This, this <laughs> you know, if you if you hang out on YouTube enough, you you start to see all this um, this stuff that it, people are watching. And Ask a Ninja, I, I think, is better than Zay Frank. But uh, Ask a Ninja is, is also this this performance podcast, video cast thing where this guy who dresses up as a ninja uh, answers questions about how ninjas act and and things like that and and it's uh, quite hilarious it's pretty funny but uh i don't know i mean that's usually one of those things i do at the end of the day when i think oh i just want i want to go on dig and look at some crazy thing that's at the top do you ever dig is another example of a of a web 2.0 site do you ever go to that site i don't but i i do want to and I do. I think it's interesting that Google started adding, you know, search-only blogs, and you know, Technorati is is huge too. So, well, Dig is one of the best sites. I have that as one of my home pages. I have the New York Times, and I have Dig, and I have uh, a couple other things as my my home pages. And uh, Dig is is by far one of the coolest. Basically, users contribute stories to it. It's like uh, some other sites like this, Reddit, and uh, there's another one I can't think of, but 
users contribute stories, and then other users can rate rank the uh, the story's worth. So if you like it, you you dig it, and if you don't like it, you can vote that it's lame. And so when you have a critical mass of thousands of people who are who are rating and ranking these posts, um, the the cool ones rise to the top on the front page, and uh, and some of them are are really cool. For example, one of the ones that was up near the top was this immense podcast directory at Open Culture something. And it has hundreds of podcasts from in all kinds of different categories, and and that's a site I would have never found on my own. But um, you know, it, users basically brought it to the top out of its own popularity. But um, it's definitely a site you want to check out. There's two G's in dig, so d i g g dot com. And if you look at the technology section, that's that's good. Um, all right, but uh, let's let's steer back more into technical writing. I mean, I've always wanted to try to incorporate more of web 2.0 into our technical writing so that's why I think these things are relevant but um, do you have any other other topics you want to go over right now uh, yeah I, I did want to mention that the new intercom came out the March issue and uh, it's about content management and a lot of big names uh, contributed to this intercom and I've noticed intercom getting better over the years so this is just wonderful um, Bob Boyko who wrote the content management Bible wrote the cover article, and Joanne Hackos uh, wrote an article about content management, and Ann Rockley wrote a structured content management for the Enterprise article, and Scott Abel wrote a content management and how that might change the technical communication uh, department or field. So, And also there's a gem in there about in the society pages, There's uh, if you're interested in going to Minneapolis to the STC conference and you're wondering what the certificate program and what the conference within a conference, what they're calling an institute, is all about, they have an article about that. So that'll be interesting. And also, a couple of the SCC Live Web seminars coming up look pretty good. One of them is going to be about uh, Captivate, that tool, so that looked good. And also, the uh, Technical Communication Journal just came out with their latest issue, the first one in first volume for 2007. And um, if you've followed Andrea Ames at all, she used to be the SCC uh, International Pre- President, and she's really one of her main things that she likes to champion is that technical communicators need to be more involved in um, not being a commodity and being more involved in the strategy and therefore you know you can really rise add 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 to the value of your department to your enterprise and and so she's got an article in the in this latest technical communication journal about uh, exactly that The, the whole journal theme is information architecture and so her article is about okay how do you blend information article and strategic thinking as a technical communicator? So that looked really good. And also the book reviews in the back looked really good. There are three book reviews about project management. And let's see, also there was, uh, there's a review of um, Jacob Nielsen's new book, Prioritizing Web Usability. So I thought that looked good. We should also mention that the Writers UA conference in Long Beach, California is coming up in about three weeks, March 25th to 28th. And also kind of quirky was that I uh, had 
I saw an interesting article about how they're trying to make the census, the questions that you're going to get in the census in in the year 2010. Um, They're trying to make those questions more usable. So I just posted to my blog about about that article. Uh, Mostly, just just to say. Um, you know, that article is out there and how it reminded me of the Usability Professional Association and their attempts to make the ballot uh, more usable. And it also reminded me of the governmental initiatives with plain language that you talked about on a, on a previous Tech Writer Voices podcast and, and you know, an initiative in Washington State to make the forms uh, a lot simpler. So going along with that, the governmental census form is now going to try to be simpler and less confusing, which is so interesting. So that's about all I have, though, Tom. Hey, that's that's cool that you've like already gone through that whole magazine because I still haven't cracked that one open. Well, <laughs> so. I haven't I haven't read it. I just I looked at all the things that I thought thought looked really interesting, and then I'll crack crack it um, online. <laughs> Not crack open the pages, but just read the articles online uh, and read TechCom online uh, probably this next week or two. So. You know, I I do want to talk more about content management. I don't know, I don't know if today is is the day, but uh, we definitely want to address that subject because in our virtual chat last night or two few nights ago, one of the members said that uh, he thought that the content management would help solve some of these technical issues about having to learn XML and and how you can single source your content and produce all these deliverables and and so uh, I know that <coughs> it's Scott Abel's favorite topic <laughs> and and we. I definitely want to explore that more in the future. And not to mention that both of the the journal and the intercom magazine this month, it it's interesting how the field of information architecture and the field of content management, they help gray and blur the lines of where does the technical you know, writer stop and where does an information architect start and where does a content management person fulfilling their role within the, you know, content management system start. So it's it's really interesting about all these blending of these fields, uh, you know, and and so I just think that that's like an interesting way to look at these uh, these new articles too through the, through that lens, like where's my department going to be in 10 years? I always think those are those are interesting questions to have in the back of your head when you're reading these uh, kind of cutting-edge articles. You, you know, writers, are, as technical communicators, we do wear so many hats. As you say, the information architect, the content manager, um, just the writer, the tester, uh, usability. And I know with the naming of this show as Tech Writer Voices, it doesn't quite capture all those different hats that we wear. But I find that that if I introduce myself as a technical communicator, people have absolutely no idea what I do. They don't even understand what a technical writer does. So I've never been fond of the phrase technical communicator, but I acknowledge that that it's uh, the only phrase that's going to encompass all the different things that we do. Right. Um, Hey, I just wanted to add one more thing here, one little bit of controversy I was thinking about tonight. Uh, you know, you mentioned all that content that's that's in these magazines and all the content that's going to be at these conferences. I mean, there's there's so much out there that you can absorb, and you haven't even gotten into the listservs, right? The amount of information that flows on those, um, and then the whole blogosphere for technical communicators. Uh, we did a we did a survey uh, a couple weeks ago on on just member needs and what they wanted, 
and we've killed our newsletter as of about a year and a half. And uh, I heard a couple of people in the last month or so say, hey, we should bring back the newsletter. And one other person said, yeah. So I thought, oh, man, maybe maybe the blog wasn't so such a good idea. Maybe we should bring back the newsletter. And so I asked this question in the survey, and 75% of the people said the blog was enough. You know, they didn't want the newsletter back because one person commented to me that, uh, you know, if there's a newsletter, you're going to have to sit down and read it sometime, and you don't, you don't want to not read it because somebody went to all the trouble. But uh, there's a lot of times... There's already enough information out there. Um, I've really found that our our chapter blog just is enough to capture uh, announcements that need to be made, you know, job postings, um, certain people becoming senior members, or conferences, or meeting announcements, things like that. And, and all the articles that are often the content of many newsletters, that stuff just uh, it is so much out there that I I think is is already there for people to consume that. That it's just not something that's needed. I think the newsletter is going to die out, the the printed, emailed form. But that's my personal opinion. I, I I know that a lot of people will reject that. But do you have any thoughts on newsletters? Uh, no, I just think that it's just yet another um, good source to look at. So, yeah, I don't really feel strongly keep it or leave it or make it go away either way. But, I, you know, I'm just still going to consume what I normally consume and, if blogs and new le- newsletters are part of that, that yep, that's what I'm going to hit too. You know, if it's good, I'll keep returning. So, yeah, definitely a newsletter is better than no no, no form of communication. I I agree. Uh, Holly, I just have one more question, and I think we should end the show. How, how do you find the time to take in a lot of the reading that you do? I mean, a, a lot of members never really get through the the TechCom Journal or the Intercom, and yet I think you you do a lot of reading. So. How, can you just describe for readers kind of how you manage to squeeze that in in your busy day during all your triathlete stuff? <laughs> uh, let's see. In the morning, I read the Wall Street Journal online, and only through my – I just read the cover page so that I don't have to pay. So then I just I just read the cover, and if there are any articles that seem relevant to uh, – technical communication management or any management in general, anything that I think would help, then I go to my library's database, ProQuest newspaper database, and I read those articles. And lately I've been doing Spark People in the morning too so I can project my daily eating and calories so that I don't just go crazy without uh, realizing it. And then so then as far as reading uh, at noon, I don't really read. Maybe a blog, your blog. That's about it. And uh, let's see. In the evening, it's often no TV. Uh, I don't. I don't think there are any shows that I watch regularly at all. Um, sitcoms. I don't. They bore me. And other things. So it's usually a book. It's usually swimming at night. But then also, or some, or running. But then also, I'll get home say seven and have all that time to read or maybe watch PBS or something. But usually the reading is in the evenings, and and it's usually, you know, I wouldn't say it's, I don't say it's a rigorous hour every night, but if I can't sleep or it helps me slow down to, if it's something I really want to read, then it usually is an hour right before bed. But other than that, it's uh, mostly weekends, uh, weekend mornings, 
just taking the time and weekend evenings afternoons uh mostly just weekend when i when i find the time i also especially stc articles the journal and the magazine i'll often put those in my car and do the do the tips like you said with podcasting where when it's good to listen to a podcast it's also good to pull out an article so i usually have an article in the car where i know if i'm gonna have a wait i i can read it so that's about it Thanks for sharing that. That's cool. I, I oh, yeah. We should mention that people, if they didn't see your list of when when could you possibly listen to a podcast and fit it into your day, you had a, a great, good suggestions on this past week's uh, I'd Rather Be Writing.com on your blog and also on a previous post in, in weeks past. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I, th- I absorb a lot of the learning material through podcasts just because... Uh, it just seems to fit more easily into my day. I mean, I'm driving to work. That's 15 minutes, and and that I can listen to something. At lunchtime, a lot of times I'll I'll go to a gym and just run on a treadmill for 20 minutes, and there's another like 40 minutes you can just listen to podcasts. And then on the way home, and and I haven't really interrupted any part of my day, um, and so y- you can really fit it in, and it's just a matter of of wanting to. And then, of course, I I post a lot on my blog, but but I also have turned off my cable so that has helped <laughs> uh but uh definitely yeah i watch sports i think that's the only reason i have cable well that and you get a good picture but yeah i could definitely do without it all right heidi i think we should wrap it up uh just to remind listeners we're on the web at www.techwritervoices.com and and you can subscribe so that you're updated when new posts, new podcasts are available. And, and we should mention for people who feel like our podcast shows are too long, we do really want to offer you like shorter ones, like 15 minutes ones in the future. And so we, we definitely hear you and we want to make that happen. It's just lately we're just too excited and we talk about too many things. <laughs> Hey, you know, if you want, I can chop this one in two 15-minute segments. <laughs> I'm just just kidding. But uh, no, definitely, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep them more brief, focused to the point, and so that you cut right to the chase. Anyway, all right, well, thank you for listening, and, and we'll see you next week. You are listening to Tech Writer Voices, a podcast for technical writers. We're online at techwritervoices.com. If you've got some feedback for the show, comments, suggestions, whatever. If you just want to let us know that there's somebody listening, uh, send it to tom at techwritervoices.com or drop a comment on the post from the site. Alright, have a good week. <laughs>